bow before you tonight, Lord. We read your word. We've, we've opened it up, God. We've read the verses that you've put on our heart today. And God, just for a moment, we ask that you would help us to expound upon them as you see fit, God. Whatever you want us to hear tonight, whatever you want us to see, I pray, God, that it would be strength, or a strengthening to our soul and to our bodies, Lord, as we, as we do persevere and we do patiently push forward. God, as the song just talked about, Lord, how we do look for that day of when Jesus stands in the clouds and calls us home. And, Lord, that day may be closer than we realize. And I'll, I pray, God, that if it's another day or another hundred years, God, that we'll patiently wait and we'll patiently serve and minister, God, as we go day in and day out. May God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word tonight, God. May we draw strength from it, and God, may you be glorified. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's three, three I guess you'd say, people or groups of people. One is a particular person. Two is a group of people. But we look at the farmer mentioned here in verse 7, and we see the prophets mentioned in verse 10, and we have Job mentioned here in verse 11. We'll look at each one of those, not in great detail, but just look at a couple of things here. This is not going to be very long tonight, but we just want to look at a couple of things that has jumped off the page at me as I've looked at this. But uh, it just cut out, didn't it? We, we're still trying to figure that out. That's the reason I looked up there. We haven't figured out yet why it's cutting out. But it says here, he talks about in verse 7, he says, Therefore, now... James is writing here, and he's kind of wrapping up this letter here. So we're kind of getting to the end of the letter. There's only a few more verses in this entire book. And so we kind of get the idea that as he's wrapping it up here in verse 7, this therefore is kind of a, a conclusion almost. He's like, you know, he said a bunch of stuff, and he's encouraged them, and he's warned them, and he's, he's kind of gotten on to them in a few places. But then he says, therefore... Be patient. He says, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Now, we think about being patient, and we think about the coming of the Lord. And again, everywhere you look, and let me just note here for a second. I think this is noteworthy. But have you ever noted how many times in Scripture in the New Testament that the writer is telling the readers to look for the coming of the Lord to patiently wait. Have you ever noticed how many times it shows up? It's a lot. Uh, in other words, the writer is always, no matter if it's James or Paul or Luke or Peter or whoever it is or John, they're always telling the reader to be looking, that he is coming back. That's always, it's kind of like there's a message, but in the middle of all that message, there's always the underlining message that he's coming back. Do this, he's coming back. Don't lose sight, he's coming back. Don't get caught up in, he's coming back. I mean, it's just constantly reminding us. So let us not forget tonight that he is coming back. So he says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. Now, I'm not a farmer. I've never been a farmer. I've, I had a granddaddy who was a farmer. He passed away in 89. He didn't farm too much in the latter half of his life. So I re the last I remember him farming was when I was a, a young kid because he had cancer, and then he got to where he could not farm. And so uh, for the last few years of his life there, he just wasn't able to get out and do. But I remember when I was a kid, farming was how he made his living. And... 
He didn't grow up. Uh, he lost his mom and dad when he was real young. So he always, and being from Pierce County, he always hired himself out. He had a second grade education is all he had, but he always hired himself out to farms in Charlton County and Brantley County as a kid. And what he would do is he would go work, live with them and whatever farm he could, that he knew people that would, that would hire him and they'd give him a place to live and they'd feed him in exchange for his labor. That's what he did. And so he and I talked when I was, uh, when I was a teenager and he said I, I, he said, I started doing that when I was 11, 12 years old. He said, I'd go live on these farms. He said, I didn't have a mom and a dad. He said, I taught myself how to read and write. I quit school at second grade. He said, taught myself really how to read and write. And uh, if you ever saw him write, he could write in cursive, but it was real sketchy, but it, you could read it. He said, but I would go work on these, these farms in exchange for, for uh, basically somewhere to live and be took care of. And so, but in doing so, he learned how to farm. That was what, that's all he knew. He knew how to grow tobacco and just a lot of different things, but the, the tobacco is the one thing I remember him doing. But I remember as a kid watching him grow huge fields of tobacco. And, uh, and this was, you know, he, he was, this was back in the day when um, everybody didn't have an irrigation system and he didn't have an irrigation system. He didn't have big fancy equipment. He had a, a pickup truck and a tractor and that was his livelihood right there. And, and um, you know, that truck was like a piece of farm equipment because it, it, he needed it. I can remember watching them tie up the bags of, of tobacco there, or bags, I can't think what you call it. Sheets, thank you. It's been so long since I've had anything to do with tobacco, I couldn't remember. I worked in it when I was 12, 13, or 14. I think everybody ought to do that at least once in their lives and appreciate every job you've ever had after that. But the sheets of tobacco, I can remember, you know, him putting as much into the back of that Chevrolet truck as it would haul and then hauling it to Blackshear to the, to the uh, warehouse and, and then coming back and loading up some more. But where I'm going with all this is I remember watching him along with other farmers as I got older, but I watched him uh, grow fields, just huge fields of watermelons, huge watermelons. And, you know, you take those seeds, you take the money, you put it in the seed, you buy the seed, you go out into the field, you turn the dirt, you get it all prepared, you put the seed in the ground. That takes faith. And you know, if you farm, you know it does because you're putting it in the ground. You've just took the money you invested in those seed and you're going out there and putting it in the dirt and you're hoping I've either just planted a future or I've just thrown all my money in the dirt and, and, and nothing's going to become of it. And so, so I, I learned to appreciate watching farmers when I was a kid who did not have irrigation systems really trust the Lord because they needed that rain to come. They needed, they needed the rain to come at the right time. They needed that seed to come forth. And I remember watching my granddaddy, uh, as, they, you know, as you did the tobacco beds and you covered them all, the, the gas on them and the whole nine yards. And, but I remember watching them plant the watermelons and, and then walking out there, walking through the field, looking at it seeing how it was doing. Was it growing like it was supposed to? I remember we planted the watermelons, walking through, huge field of watermelon, looking at them to see if anything's sprigging up and hoping that you find something popping up out of the dirt. And you, you think about that, and, and the writer James here, he says, we need to be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. By faith, we put those seeds in the ground and we hope that it will bring forth a crop because that crop is the money. And that's what they wait for. You're praying for the rain. You're, you're going out in the field and you're, you're hoeing around things. You're pulling weeds. You're doing all of these things. And I'm saying all this to say, to say uh, this here, that there's a lot of work that goes into farming before you ever bring forth a crop. Amen? Before you ever bring forth any 
fruit or any money for your, for your labor. There's so much work that goes into it. And this is what James is, is what he's saying here. He said, just like the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it to, until it receives the early and the latter rain. And I thought about this today as I was reading the scripture and I thought about our business meeting Sunday night when you guys approved to send the money to Montana. Now, that takes a lot of faith, church. I'm proud because that takes faith because you're taking money and you're saying, okay, and it's like planting seeds. You're saying, here, we're giving this to you. And the thing is, we stand back and go, either we just give away money for no reason or we're planting fruit or we're planting seeds in the ground hoping to see fruit. And can I tell you, we may never see any fruit on this side of eternity. Never. But we may get to heaven one day and somebody comes up to us and says, thank you for investing. Thank you. Made a difference in my life. I can't tell too many details because I don't want to give this away because uh, we're online. At least I'm assuming we are. Okay. So I have to be careful here. But this has nothing to do with Montana. Altogether something different. But it is planting seeds. Today, Connie got a phone call. We were in Brunswick. I had to think where we were at. We had to run look for some shoes for summer and uh, for basketball. And so we're in Brunswick. She gets a phone call from somebody that she works with, and I said, I have to be careful here because I don't want to give anything away to, for anybody that might be watching. But there's a lady that worked with Connie last year who did not know the Lord, had no church background, no nothing, okay? No nothing. And the Lord really burdened Connie's heart about talking to this lady about Jesus, and she wasn't going to be coming back, and we, she knew that. She wouldn't be coming back to work. And so Connie talked to me. She says, I just feel like God is saying I need to talk to her, like this might be the only opportunity she ever gets to, to hear this. I need to tell her. I said, then you need to do it. And so she goes to school, and she talks to her. She pulls her to the side. She says, look, I don't want to make this awkward for you. I don't want to embarrass you or anything like that. She said, but I want to tell you who I am. You know because they work together. She says, you know what I stand for. She said, but I want to tell you about Jesus, and he loves you. And so she talked to her for several minutes and planted the seed and told her, she said, look, he's the answer to everything in your life, everything. Everything you're struggling with, he's the answer. And she just went through this whole spiel. Well, the lady left the school, did not come back. We knew that she wouldn't. But she started attending a church, uh, one of our Baptist churches in our association, and I'll leave it at that. And it happens to be where this person goes to church at. Well, to make a long story short, she's been visiting for a couple of months now. Today, she walked the aisle, went down front, gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ, and got saved. And we're talking about a lady. How old is she? Probably. So, she's old. So. <laughs> Connie, Connie said, Yeah. Connie said she was about her age. I said, so she's old, in case y'all didn't hear that. No, uh, I thought she was older than that because you look so young. Y'all saw how I did that, right? Y'all saw how I did that. But anyway, but no, I did think she was older than you. But anyway, the point is, is you never know when a seed gets planted what's going to come from that seed. And it takes faith to plant seed because sometimes we hear like we did today and we're excited. Sometimes we never hear. And we think, well, did that do anything or not? I don't know. And so I was proud the other night that you guys approved to do that because any time we invest in, in ministry, no matter where it's at, okay, as long as, as long, every time we invest in planting seeds in somebody else's life, I believe with all my heart 
God's word, when he says it won't return to him void, I believe it will accomplish what God would have it to accomplish. Everybody's not going to get saved that hears the message of the gospel, but some will. And so we plant. We plant with good faith, and we believe, just like the farmer, we put the seeds in the ground. It takes faith to do that. We do the hoeing. We do the weeding. We pray for rain. In other words, even after we put the seed in the ground, our work's not over. We keep ministering. We keep praying. We keep, um, you know, I think about you, Brother Ron. We just mentioned a while ago about the, about the food pantry and invite people to come. Look, it takes time to pour into people. It doesn't happen overnight. People, uh, sometimes you have to pour into people for years before we ever see any results. But we keep praying and we keep working and we keep doing what we can do and we do it in faith that God is going to do something. It takes patience. So as we look here, he says, Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. He says in verse 8, You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. It's close. Could you imagine uh, being in James's shoes when he wrote this and Jesus had gone back to heaven for quite a while, had gone, been gone for quite a while at this point. If he thought he was close then, how much closer is he now? How much closer is he now? He's close. And we have to do as James said here, establish our hearts and know that, that the return of the Lord is soon and we have to keep just as a farmer works in the field and labors looking for, for the rain and the seeds to sprout up and, and to have a, a harvest. We have to keep working. And he tells us in verse 9, he says, Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And then he uses the prophets. He said, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Think about the prophets. They prophesied about something that they never even got to see come to come to um, fruition there as, 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 as those who um, I can't even think of what I want to say right here I'm trying to think of a name and the name is left me think about Isaiah prophesying about the birth of the Savior he never got to see that prophesying about things but they did it in faith they spoke in the name of the Lord and they suffered at the hand of the people God's people they suffered but they kept prophesying and they kept telling the people what was going to take place and what was to come. They did it patiently and they did it without wavering. That's how we need to live our lives tonight for Jesus Christ. We have to keep pushing forward. I tell you, I think it's a hard time to be a Christian, but I don't think there's ever been a better time to be a Christian because of how lost everything, everybody, how lost the world is, how dark it's become. In other words, the light shines the brightest when the world is the darkest. And right now it's pretty dark. But he uses the prophets here as an example. Then he uses Job. He said, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. If you've never read the book of Job, I encourage you to read that. To me, it's not an easy read. Okay, I've never found the book of Job to be a book that I could just... Like a page turner, like I couldn't, you know, I can't put it down. It was a tough read, but it's a good read. It's, um, 
because of all the perseverance that he, that he, all the troubles and the trials that he goes through. He loses so much. I mean, it's like the first few chapters is not hard to read, and you see all that he goes through. But then, from then till the Lord blesses him, it's just agonizing. It's just I remember I had to teach that when Connie and I first got married. You remember it? Oh man. I had to teach that when we first got married. We went to Bristol Baptist, and I had to teach through the book of Job to the youth Sunday school class. Lord, have mercy. You ain't never. You, that, was the, that was the assignment that was given to me. I had just taken over to Sunday school class, and the literature that they gave me worked its way through the book of Job. I felt like it was three months. I don't know if it was, but it, I mean, it was like every Sunday, I felt like I was saying the same thing. Job suffered, and he didn't give up faith. And those youth are just sitting there like, talk about something else, like paint drying. You, can we, you know, it's good stuff, but it's not something that keeps youth's attention. So I had to really work hard. But I remember reading through it and studying through it to teach it. But the thing is, Job, through all of that, he never lost faith. He never stopped looking to the Lord. Even his, even his friends there came over and kept saying, Job, what have you done wrong? Man, just confess your sins and and get beyond this. And Job hadn't done anything wrong. Even his wife, God bless her heart, kept saying, just curse God and die, Job. Be done with it. And Job was like, you know, and you read that and you look at all the agony that he was going through and he was surrounded by, by four very pessimistic people. And there was no encouragement there except from God. And even God seemed quiet during some of this. And so, but Job, through all of it, he persevered. And so, as James is writing here, life is tough sometimes. And you and I, we have to keep persevering. We have to keep pushing through. We have to keep our eyes on God. And so, we think about the, par the farmer who was patient. We think about the prophets who prophesied about the things of God in the midst of persecution. And the Christians were being persecuted as James were writing this. And they were going through suffering. And then he even used Job here. And he said, you've heard about the perseverance of Job and, and see how, how tough it was on him. And church, I just want to say this tonight. No matter how tough it gets here, we keep pushing forward for the sake of the gospel. We keep moving forward so that God can be glorified in our lives and not only in our lives but in our church and in our families. We keep making sure that people see Jesus in us because we live in a time and if I could give you more information on the lady that we found out about today with Connie, it would blow your mind if I told you about her background but I can't do that, okay? But it would mess your world up because she came from an unbiblical background. She came from a, a background of being unchurched and, and yet God just did a work in her life. And I'm convinced that if you and I will persevere and plant seeds in people's lives, when it's time, God will do a work in their lives. We may not always get to see it, but I believe that when the seeds are planted, even, even Paul writes about this Corinthians, some plant, some waters, but God adds the increase. When it's God's time, just like in the farmer situation, when the time is right, the seeds will come forth. And when the time is right, those seeds that you have planted in people's lives, it will come forth. I'm convinced. I've seen it happen in my life with other people that I've planted seeds in their lives. You put that seed in their life, and it seems like they have just ignored you. They've heard nothing you've said. But God will also allow those same people to go through hardships and go through trials. And when they don't have anywhere else to turn, they'll turn to the one person 
who planted a seed in their life. And it might be you. And they'll come to you because you know why? You're the closest thing to God and the closest thing to church that they have. And they'll look to you and they'll say, I, I need prayer. Well, that gives you a chance to add a little bit more to that seed that you planted way back when. And I, I, I don't think I've told y'all this before, but I used to work with a guy. was the roughest guy I've ever been around in my life. He was, and I don't know whatever happened to him. Hadn't seen him in probably almost 20 years now. But I used to work around him. When I, when I met him, he was lost. When I left, he was lost. And I don't know where he's at, but just a rough neck person. Goodness, he was rough. Talked, uh, had a vulgar language. And, and I thought he just talked that way about us, around us at work. But I met his wife and children one day, and he talked around them the same way he did around us. So just a rough person. He just didn't care. But one day, he knew what I stood for, and, and um, he knew who I was. I had, I had just started pastoring the church at that time. He knew what I stood for. And one day, his world fell apart at home. I was in my 20s, late 20s, and that's about, he was a little bit younger than I was. But his life fell apart one day, and he came to work, and it just, he just broke down up there in the office. And they called for me. I had no idea what they wanted to be in the front office for, but they, and I walked up there. They said, go in the back, go to the so-and-so room. Uh, they're waiting on you. I thought, what in the world? What, are, what do they want me for? And I walked in, and there's this big old burly guy sitting there crying like a baby, crying like a baby, and he asked for me. Me, of all people, that he would ask for. He and I got along fine, but I had witnessed to him about Jesus, and he had told me multiple times he had no use for God. Leave him alone. I did. But when his world fell apart, you know who he asked for? The only person on that job site that had ever told him about God. And so I went up there and sit down by him, and he, I mean, he's, I'm talking about for, don't want you to sound gross, but I'm talking about crying with snot everywhere crying, okay? I mean, it was just, yeah. It's rough to see a guy you work with is like six-something, you know, 200-something pounds. He's, I'm like, good man, get it together. Come on, man, you know. But he was crying, and he was just, and he just told me all his problems, and, and he was looking for answers, and he gave me a chance to plant a little bit more of a seed or water that seed that I had planted before. I shared Jesus with him a little bit more, uh, did the best I could. We prayed, and he went back out, but he got his life together on his terms in the next couple of days, and he didn't need God anymore. But in my thoughts, okay, that's fine, but God, I gave him a little bit more. And maybe in your time, something will come of that. I, like I say, I, I worked with him a couple more years. I left that job, haven't seen him since. All I can do is hope and pray that God uh, did something in his life. But you and I, we're just seed planters. That's what we are. We plant seeds, we water, we persevere just like Job. And in the hardness, we keep sharing Jesus as tough as it gets. We keep looking to the Lord. And we just make sure that we keep our eyes on Him. God is faithful and God is good. But we cannot lose sight of the reason that we're here. And that is to plant seeds. And that is to water seeds. And that is to glorify God with our life. And James says right here, and I'll leave this last verse to you. He says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. So tonight I said it was going to be brief and I'm going to hold to my word. But tonight as we get ready to have our invitation, I would like to encourage you with this. 
that as we minister here upon this earth and as we minister here at Waynesville, as we minister in local ways, we minister in uh, other states and, and around the world, however God gives us the opportunity, you say, well, when do we minister around the world? We just, sh sh we just sent shoeboxes out the other day, just voted to give money to a church planner in Montana to help start a work there. We're ministering in our community. Uh, God's, we're ministering in so many areas. When we do these things, may we keep praying and keep anticipating that the Lord's going to do a great mighty work through each and every one of us. And may we keep planting the seeds. May we keep persevering and pushing forward until the coming of the Lord. Because one day, as I said this morning, we have right here, right now to minister. We have right now. We don't know how many days we have to minister, how many we got left. And every one of us is involved in some form or other, uh, some type of ministry in here. I know some is in motorcycles, some we're, we're doing shoeboxes, we got this, we got that. We got a lot of different things going on. But we need to keep making sure that we're pushing forward until the Lord comes back because there will come a day, and I think this is what James was saying here, especially if you read the entire book all at one setting, you'll get this idea that James is encouraging them to be doers of his word and not just hearers of it to keep doing what God has called us to do may we never grow weary in serving the Lord because before we know it we'll stand before him face to face and all the times of ministry will be over we won't get any more times to minister so we minister while we can and we bring God the honor and glory that he deserves let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight Lord, as our ladies are coming to lead us tonight in music, Father, we just pray. You'll help us not to grow weary or faint-hearted, God, in ministering for you. That, God, even though times are difficult, sometimes our circumstances get us down. Sometimes, God, we are persecuted for what we